Kieran. I'm Hannah. This is Kitchen Table Cult. Where two quiverful escapees talk about our experiences in the cultish underbelly of the religious right. Hey, Hannah. Hey, Kieran. How are you? Good. Hey, actually, can I ask you a favor? Yeah. Um, so my name, Hannah, is, like, kind of weird and appropriative, and we need to, like, talk about how Christians appropriate, like, Jewish culture and traditions and, like, completely misunderstand everything. Um, that's a whole thing we need to do at some point. But yes. for the now, um, so my my name, like, the history of it is kind of weird. So it's not German. Everybody thinks it's German. If the umlaut was a German umlaut, it would be Heine. And it confuses all the German speakers I know very, very, very much. Um, and the reason it's that way is because my parents decided to give me the Hebrew pronunciation, but anglicized. So that's like English of phonetics. Course. Yeah, right. So like the umlaut is like American English phonetics, which like kind of doesn't make any sense. Um, and we're not Jewish. And I've always felt kind of weird about that. And um, it's kind of a cool name in terms of like it's really unique. But um, then I found out as I've been doing this memoir research and everything that um, – my father didn't name me Hannah because he wanted to name me Hannah and appropriate Jewish culture and be weird. He named me Hannah because he expected I was going to be a boy up until the last minute. And then he had to come up with a girl's name. And guess what he went for? Hmm. He went for the uh, the name of a girl he had a crush on in his French class in college. That's not better. Nope. So it's not like, better. Like the two That's reasons I have my name are like one, cultural appropriation to the nth degree, and two, like some rando your dad had a crush on. What the fuck, dad? <laughs> so um No, incorrect. <laughs> anyway, I um one of the reasons I loved Anne of Green Gables and Shirley for as a child so much is because she like always had other names that she was making people call her she was like call me cordelia or spell my name with an e and like i really just like don't like my name and i always resonated with that a lot but again the like it's so unique just get used to it and i was like okay whatever fine (laughs) um but this year i kind of like hit my limit with that (laughs) and i've been trying on different names for a while and i finally found one that i think really works and that i like so um I'm going to I'm going to be going by Eve now. Eve. That's a good name. So, um, hi listeners, thanks for joining me on this journey. I know this is kind of weird, but I feel like um yeah, I think this is an important thing and and naming naming yourself after coming out of fundamentalism is a really big and important thing that I've known other people to to find a lot of meaning in. Um Obviously, like, Kieran, you, you, you I know this well. You know this well. And <laughs> and there's a whole there's a whole thing um about it where, you know, the the trans community is really um wonderful with that and um has established that as a as a normal thing to do, which is cool. Um and I know it's like not it's kinda weird that I'm doing this and not 
It's really not weird, though. Really? Yeah, yeah I don't know. It's I feel really like self- I feel so self-conscious about it sometimes, but... No. You have every right to, like, have a name that represents who you are, and yeah. I feel like Eve suits you. Yeah, so, um, fuck the patriarchy. I'm naming myself. Good job. Hi, Eve. <laughs> Hi, Kieran. What are we talking about today? The patriarchy, obviously. No, uh... I mean, when are we not talking about the patriarchy? <laughs> Um, let's talk about, let's talk about fake news. <laughs> let's, let's Sounds talk about, good. let's talk about what was the SNL bit? Feeling, feel facts, things that feel true. Oh, And we're yes. just going to believe that they are true. Yeah, that seems right. Yeah. Like, uh, like how climate change isn't real. Yeah. Climate change is. Like that is, seems, that seems right. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, that's totally fake. I mean, mm-hmm. you just like. Lived. I just lived through a week of not breathing, a week and a half of right, not breathing. Right, but that's fake news. That's not real. It's totally fake, yeah. I mean, I saw, didn't you read the World Net Daily article that was like, the California fires have gone down. They're like 50% less written like this week. Was that after, World Net like, Daily or was that World News? Oh, uh, World News maybe. <laughs> I get them mixed up. They're in the same place in my head. <laughs> they, I mean, for good reason. I know. quality yeah, journalism no, it is, there it is, it is world news <laughs> but they both have world in the title and they're the same yeah so um what world magazine what's what is that why should people care why are we equating I mean, like these this was world net daily because they both have world in the title yeah. they're both very conservative publications uh world mag had like way more prestige back when I was familiar with it than World Net Daily. World Net Daily is like short inflammatory pieces and World Mag tries to be more well, yeah, even keeled. World Mag thinks that they're like highbrow. So World Magazine yeah. is a is a is a Christian news publication that is we've quoted some of their stuff before. Um and they're basically um they have the most interesting Let's, I'll give them that um, ability to spin and legitimize conservative interpretations of world events. Yes. They really, it's, it's, it's boggling going back and reading it, actually. Yeah. And, and they're really good at it. Um, they like to legitimize the, the, the fake news version of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I think Sarah Huckabee Sanders does a fantastic job of that. She's very impressive. But um, she's not as, like, polished as World News is at doing that same thing. Yeah. No, World News has put a lot of time into into presenting things that aren't really true as truths. Yeah. And reframing everything. So, um, so climate change, there's a report that was released on Black Friday, um... That is... Which was definitely not to, like, bury it in a news cycle when no one's paying attention. Right. There's a really there's a really good piece on from The Atlantic on that that we'll link to in um, the notes for this episode. But uh, basically, we are all going to die from climate change and soon. And it's, yeah. and it's entirely all our fault because we ignored it for so long. And... Um, Today, Karen and I want to talk to you about like how the propaganda machine for the religious right works to delegitimize um, these scientific findings and how it will continue. Like, I think we will continue to see 
then push back with the same um, logic and arguments on this report that's just been released. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess it would be probably good to start with what did we learn about global warming when we were growing up? Right. Or what, well, or what were we taught about it? I hate to be I hate to be that person, but like you have to go back to the theology first. Well, exactly. That's the like, point. <laughs> it always goes back to the theology. Like it doesn't like one they believe that God is completely and totally sovereign and this includes like being able to perform miracles and heal people and also being able to perform miracles and heal the planet. Um or destroy the planet. Or destroy the as planet. The case maybe. Yeah. So, the f- let's talk about creation and the flood. Yeah. So the like obviously literally seven days of creation, um, and and that was how it was, and that's why the world is this way, and that's why humans are like this, and evolution didn't happen. And any and... data science, like science data that. Um, like goes against that literal seven day creation is God falsifying the data to test our faith. Right. And also uh, atheists, atheist scientists who don't believe in God and can't accept that uh, the planet was divinely created. So they're looking for something else to explain it. You know, it's fascinating how self-aware they are with, with this stuff where it's like, well, obviously people are going to be looking at evidence and only arranging it in ways that it um, echoes the conclusions that they want to draw. So right. <laughs> they look, they, they're like, we do this. So obviously the other side is doing this too. Yeah, that is, it is that it is like that though. It's, it's like, well, you're, you're protesting so loudly at this thing that you are literally doing right now yeah. all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they're, they, like, they don't trust, they don't trust the scientists, they don't trust the data because they, um, they are falsifying data, they are, um, drawing very strange conclusions because they're looking for it for them. I mean, it's so easy to manipulate data. Um, well, and they're, they're always making sure that the data, the way they're interpreting the data matches exactly how they interpret the Bible. Right, and they're only seeing their own reflection when they make those accusations. Those kinds of accusations. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, what we grew up, I mean, did you do J. Weil, J. Weil science? Um, I don't think so, but I did Apologia okay. and Answers in Genesis. Okay. So what did they teach in terms of the flood? Um, like the way... Yeah, the way I learned about the flood and the way that it made sense to me was, uh, well, made sense to me. <laughs> the way that I was, I was taught with my like between my parents and books, and I don't remember which book said what. Yeah. Um, but was like you know God was angry at the world for being so sinful, and so he told Noah to build this ark, and they brought two of every kind of animal, and then it literally rained for forty days and forty nights, and they floated on this weird rectangle thing that shouldn't really have floated the way it did yeah if you um, want to see the uh, like the life-size replica of the ark some guy in kentucky has built it yes 
from isn't like, it like the answers in Genesis Museum or something? I don't know if it's connected to it. It's like the Creation Museum. Yeah, it's, I don't know if they're the same. Uh, yeah, yeah, those places still exist. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah, you can see a life-size model of the Ark. Yeah, and the way that um, and and so the way that Ken Ham teaches it teaches uh the like because there used to be like more oxygen in the earth and there were dinosaurs and things were bigger and and whatever and so the reason the way that uh ken ham i'm remembering this now uh explains like the flood and what happened and why there aren't dinosaurs and why there's oil is that uh because of the flood the atmosphere changed and so that brought the oxygen level down. And also because it happened like so quickly, the dinosaurs got smushed really fast and then turned into oil. <laughs> well, because of all the, the all the water, there, all was, the water. Like, there were landslides and the, all the dinosaurs who had just died got buried immediately and super fast. And that's right. why we have oil yeah. deposits in the earth. Right. And then um, like Which is things like, like the Loch Ness Monster can exist because they were water dinosaurs, but right. like land dinosaurs can't exist. And the bird dinosaurs also can't because of the oxygen change. Right. And and because God did this to the flood, uh, with the flood and all that happened, like clearly it's God's plan for us to Obviously. use the oil deposits um, all up because like that was how God sovereignly planned for modern America right. to thrive. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, because God was totally <laughs> thinking of enabling our use of planet-killing death traps. <laughs> okay, so as you can hear, we've talked about this educational neglect stuff before. Kieran and I are not super good at science in terms of, <laughs> like, we haven't had the training to talk about this stuff like we could have. We're both interested in this. We're both um, fairly intelligent people, and um, we've been too busy trying to survive since leaving yeah. the cult to like actually study up on this. So there's there's people who are more, um, you know, qualified to talk about this. Like I, people who are actual scientists. Yeah, I'm like my brother is is a biologist, and he studies water, and he can talk about this. And like, um, there's a whole bunch of people who grew up in our world who have gone into the hard sciences to talk about this stuff um, and to basically counteract what we were raised with. So we can put you in touch with people who are experts in this field if you want to learn more. But we're talking about the big picture and the rhetoric here today. And, you know, if I ever have time for a, th- a third, you know, round of college, I'm, I might go yeah. into science because it would be yeah, really I'm interesting. Like, I kind of really want to take a biology like class at Laney. This this whole biblical inerrancy thing like is is kind of the backbone for all this. Like we have mm-hmm. to like look at evidence that reinforces what the Bible says so that we can reinforce that like the Bible is true and that if the that's the case then like they go into all this detail with like literally the earth stood still during that one battle that the Israelites yeah. fought against, you know, when they were coming in and committing genocide. Right, not um, at all in a Palestine. Metaphor. And, um, yeah, that was not a metaphor. That was literal. And then, like, Jesus literally was raised from the dead and mm-hmm. literally walked on water. and all Literally of, healed all of those people. And then literally ascended into heaven in his physical body. So all these things, like, they have to be literally true. So 
seven day creation and the flood, they also have to be literally true. Um, because otherwise, like who Jesus was comes into question, and that's just too threatening. And then, yeah, that that threatens your entire faith, and you shouldn't be asking those kinds of questions. Right? Who are you to judge God? Yeah, miserable sinner. It's faith. You have to accept it on faith. When like real reports like this one get released, how do people in the the Christian community respond? Like usually, I mean, they they spin it so it's like fake. The it's just the spooky liberal media overreacting mm-hmm. um, to God's plan. Or I was kind of thinking about this the other day too. Uh, my parents' obsession with like the end times feels strangely real right now because so much of their interpretation of revelation or whatever was like the earth is gonna literally be on fire and there will be wars and rumors of wars and all of these things will be happening and all of those things like kind of are happening so i think some a way that a lot of people may also be taking it if they're of the like end times religious sect like my parents were is like jesus is coming any second now this is how it's supposed to happen we shouldn't get in the way of god's plan to scorch the earth because that means jesus is coming back right which is actually a prophecy um so yeah there's there's kind of two modes one is the denial thing where it's like yeah things are not as bad as they sound um but and and the people who take that method or that approach, usually you try to discredit the the authority of whoever's mm-hmm. um, presenting the data. They'll, they'll question yeah. the authority of the source. They'll question the um, veracity of the data and, like, the methods used to collect it and the methods used to analyze it. Um, they'll pull up counter arguments from other scientists who are peers criticizing this stuff. Answers in Genesis in 2015 wrote this long paper the title is the globe is warming but it's not your fault yeah so they'll 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 (laughs) they'll take the the peer review piece of the process and um instead of accepting that this is like a normal part of academia and um looking for these holes is is not necessarily an intent to intended to discredit the premises um they will use that instead to try to discredit the entire thing and they they'll right. they'll they'll ply um select critics um who whose material was probably not intended to be used the way they're using it right they just uh, take it out of context they'll take it out of context um they'll proof text science data which is proof texting is a a way of using bible verses to like gotcha someone mm-hmm. um so they'll do the same thing with like academic Dialogue. If you watch any like video of Bill Nye versus Ken Ham, that happens mm-hmm. all the time. Whenever Ken Ham talks, really. Yeah. So he'll be like, "Yeah, but like this one guy who like was an undergrad wrote this paper, and like he said, and like come at it with you know sketchy weird critics." Criticisms. And also like the Bible backs this up because of this verse. So how do you argue with that? Right. Which it, which is like. What you have if, to, you what have to both def- agree that the Bible is a source for that argument to work, and that doesn't... That's oh. why watching Ken Ham versus Bill Nye is so cathartic and good. I haven't done it yet. It kind of scares me. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, it's like, but what if, like, people started using, like, Homeric epics, like, took 
the Odyssey and like started talking about, yeah, but like the Odyssey says that like Neptune did this <laughs> and like, right. So obviously that can't be true in real life. Like the Bible's literature <laughs> guys, like it's not literally true. Yeah. They just don't believe that. Like it's, it, that would shatter their entire faith. Science as we know it did not exist then, so you cannot compare these things as apples and oranges. Yeah. Um. Okay, so then the the that's the denial route where they like try to get you to go off on a rabbit hole with them and like logic their way to like win that rabbit trail, rabbit hole, mm-hmm. rabbit trail. There's it's oh, very windy. Argument. There's a lot of hoops. Yeah. Um. They'll yeah try to get you. Basically, it's a red herring fallacy. They'll just get yeah. you off the scent. And argue fine details until one of your fine details collapses, and they'll be like, "Aha! So it can't be true." <laughs> right. This one fine detail overrules all of the other facts. Right. So then there's the not the denial camp. There's the people who accept that climate change is happening, and um, they have a very different response. And this is what you're getting at with your like prophecies of untimed stuff how do they yeah. interpret this stuff how will they respond it really just kind of validates their whole idea of the end times is now it's coming soon and and they're not gonna want to stay in the way of that like i'm pretty sure my like people like my family will be kind of celebrating this because yeah. that's that's how my family would be is is whenever that happened I know people who would be celebrating this too. Like it, yeah. it would be like a like, oh thank God, finally like the end times are coming like faster now, yeah. and like Jesus is coming back. Like let's celebrate this. And the and the yep. idea of like we stewarded the earth up until this point, but like that we're expecting God to come back and like take charge. Where it's it's right. kind of like the the sense is like you're the babysitter. And yeah, you're not and actually like responsible coming home. Yeah, you're not yeah. actually responsible for these kids. You just have to get them to a certain point, and then you can hand them over and like be like, "Whoo, wow, that was yeah." Tough. So it's fine if the house is a mess. It's fine if that if the house is a mess, the parents can fix it later. And that's kind of how they see like climate change but, stuff is yeah. like, yeah, but Jesus is coming back and he'll fix it. Right. Yeah. That's exactly. And so it, it like builds complacency and not caring. And also the thing is to like they believe it's not going to affect them. Yeah. Like my parents, my parents believe that before things get really bad, Jesus is going to come back. So it's going to start being fire and doom like it is now. But before everything really goes to shit, they're going to be raptured and it's fine. And that's all they care about. Right. So it's very much like got mine. Fuck you. Bye planet. Well, and it's like they believe that even if they do die in climate change, like events, like major, major global traumas, um, they will be immediately inducted into the new heaven and new earth mm-hmm. because there's this promise that God will remake the earth and we, there will be... And it'll be know, perfect. Yeah. You'll be without sin. It'll be a new creation. We'll start over. And yeah. so if you've ever listened to... Um, not listened to... I, I, I listen to an audio book a lot. That's why I said that. Um, but if you ever read The Last Battle, there's this whole, like, it's a, a, the last C.S. Lewis book, and it's kind of the, the ans- his answer to Revelation in the end times. And, like, the Pevensey kids die in a train crash and, like, get 
sent to Narnia at the end of t- end times in Narnia and Narnia's ending. And then they get walk through this door and they enter like the new heaven and new earth. And Narnia is like remade and perfect. And like, who cares that they like sold the forests mm-hmm. to the, you know, racist caricatures of their enemies down in the South. Like, this book is so bad. Um, <laughs> like, who cares that they, like, ravaged Narnia for capitalism? Like, that's literally what's happening in that book. Like, because Aslan's coming back and making a new one, and he's going to burn the entire old one with fire. Yeah. And that's how that's seen as a pretty, pretty true literal metaphor yeah, it's basically for how, what my parents believe. How Christians should be responding to the, the, the mm-hmm. world going up in flames. Yeah, like my parents, and and this isn't like super uncommon, it's something that I've seen a bit, is like people will take the in the world but not of it thing Oh yeah, very, very far. So it's like all of this is happening, but because I'm not really of this world, I don't need to care. Well, and I, I've known people take this, that to like super, super serious extremes where it'll be like they're, they might be chronically ill and refusing to go to a doctor because they mm-hmm. believe that suffering is holy and yep. and since they're not of the world then like if they die sooner the sooner they get a new body and get to be with Jesus and start over. Yeah, my family also very much believed that. Um, so that's where you get like situations of medical neglect of children. That's yep. pretty dramatic. Do you want to talk a little bit about why? Christians tend to believe that all scientists are atheists and that faith and science are incompatible. Yeah. So I think I think it comes down to feeling threatened by science when it conflicts with their belief. And like my parents I was I was barely allowed science. I was barely allowed like Katie Frady's um who does apologia mm-hmm. and it's extremely extremely religious i actually uh she moved to florida and was part of my homeschool group for a short period of time which was mm-hmm. kind of hilarious i'm like there were a bunch of homeschool moms who were fangirling mm-hmm. over having an actual scientist actual scientist there's an actual scientist <laughs> yeah um but i remember that being a huge thing and i never I never fully grasped it besides that it was just because science was was basically very threatening to faith and people saw science as like a gateway to atheism. They saw Oh, is is science a who, gateway drug? Yeah, science dancing, uh reading, uh feminism, college in general, all gateways to atheism. Basically existing in any plane that involved your bo- your your brain as being part of your body. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I... My mom's a nurse, and so science was always, like, exciting and cool, and, like, she would be very, very into it. She encouraged us um, in our curiosity about things outside and plants and animals, and, like, she was very into all of this but yeah, the larger larger understandings of the universe, as soon as it left like studying species and like um, the way plants work and like stuff like that, like if it came in contact with existential 
questions at all. Then it was seen as suspect. Like, we would watch Magic School Bus a whole lot, and anytime Evolution got brought up... Um, she would be like, la, 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 we don't believe in that. Like, the Bible says that's not true. And like, or something mm-hmm. like that, which is so funny because that's not true. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, that would be, it would become a a point of mockery. Yeah, that was my experience too. Like, I was allowed to watch Bill Nye the Science Guy for a short period of time, but I wasn't allowed to watch any episodes where he talked about evolution. Yeah, I could same. watch, like, the experiments that he did. And I I watched the Magic School Bus a lot, but any time evolution came up, it was always like, we know that's a lie. That's not real. Mm-hmm. All of my science books, whenever they dealt with anything that even touched on an existential question, was always just like, and God made it this way, and that's why. And it just shut down any kind of thought. So none yeah. of my... I was never allowed to really ask all of the questions. So science, especially like... The sciences that answer universal questions and the science of, like, space was never anything that I had a chance to explore because all of those avenues of questioning were shut off. And it wasn't until I was an adult and watching science videos that I was like, oh, now I do want to know (laughs) the answer to these questions. I do want to see the end of the universe. Like, what is that? Yeah. Yeah, physics was like off limits and for reasons like related to that it was just kind of like yeah like this stuff is how it sort of works but like it doesn't and and isaac newton was held up as like a really big hero yeah because he there was, was able, a lot of worship because he newton. was able to merge faith and science and they were like why can't modern day scientists be like him and the point is because they kept learning. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> we, we've evolved since the apple. Yeah. We understand gravity now. Right. I did physics, but I was it was never really explained to me. I did physics as this like science competition program where I like made this little vehicle that was supposed to like it had an egg on the end of it and it was supposed to go a certain distance and stop without breaking the egg. Uh-huh. And my dad, brother, and grandfather took over the project with my male science partner, and I just kind of picked up the lead, and they didn't bother to explain any of what was happening mm-hmm. or why the things worked this way or why we were using rubber on the plexiglass. So I technically did physics, but I didn't understand any of it because it was a boy thing, and that was infuriating. Wait, how is it a boy thing? Because it was building... Mm-hmm. a contraption out of wood and stuff and girls aren't supposed to build things. I see. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Jokes on them. I know. <laughs> uh, this is why you're trans. They let you this build is things. Why I'm trans. I know. <laughs> like I really just wanted to be able to to like build small objects and the only way I could do that was was by becoming trans clearly <laughs> so much more privileged this way definitely not definitely not increasing the marginalization aspect here <laughs> yeah yeah it just makes perfect sense mm-hmm. oh my god you know as soon as you come out as like uh, a trans man you have cis male privilege all the time right 
That's definitely, why. Definitely not erased constantly. Oh, no, definitely not. No. Mm. <laughs> That's another episode. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Let's get into AFAB healthcare God. sometime. Yeah. <laughs> what about, like, the fossil fuels question and, like, should we reduce using fossil fuels? Was that something that was on your radar as, like, like recycling and environmentally, like, yes. you know, efficient things? Like, was that, like, okay? No. Um, I don't remember why, but that was seen as, like, some weird liberal thing that was bad and anti-God somehow. Hmm. Uh, in fact, in 2004, the NCFCA resolution was God, right. to significantly reduce our dependence on foreign oil. And a lot of people were like, what if we did like hydrogen or wind or solar or all these other kinds of energy? Mm-hmm. But what I did was let's drill in Alaska. Oh, you were pro Anwar. You know, yeah. I remember, I feel like... That was my entire case. I feel like whoever won that year won on a pro Anwar drilling case. I think they did. I think I think it was actually really similar to my case, and I felt validated. Yeah, yeah. At the time, no, I, <laughs> now I'm horrified. Right. So, like, this was one of those like, well, if God gave us these resources, we should use it. Um, my my mom was pro recycling. My mom was pro like reducing waste. She was always yelling at my dad for buying paper towels and being like, no, we're only going to use cloth ones. She didn't, she used cloth diapers. She didn't use as much as she could. Like there's a point where mm-hmm. she was like trying to be sane and uh, um, the right. twins and definitely we were using disposables, yeah. but like she was, she was waste conscious in some ways. Um, definitely not in some others. Um, but I remember being aware of these these questions as like unrelated, um, and it was it was seen as a stewardship thing. It was like a like if you have the spoons to be able to do this, you will be a better person if you can do these things. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have the 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 time or the energy or the privilege or whatever, like it doesn't matter that much because you know God's just gonna burn the earth with fire anyway. Yeah, my parents really didn't care about the environment at all. It was odd the kind of, like, extreme lengths that my parents didn't care about, like, the environments or animal rights or safety or anything. Oh, yeah, animal rights didn't exist. None of that. Vegetarians were kind of made fun of. Yeah, yeah, vegetarians were, like, ungodly. Well, vegetarians were gay. That's basically what it came down to. It was like a, it was like a, if you care about this stuff, you you have like a twisted sense of values right and so we're afraid of you and like there was it was kind of lumped in with homophobia there was there were a lot of jokes and rhetoric around that yeah and there was a lot of like seeing people as like soft and caring was bad yeah that's what it is it's effeminate yeah and that's dangerous because masculinity is the only thing that is whatever and then, similarly, there was, like, there was a lot of talk about Priuses. Like, Prius owners were made fun oh, of. Oh, yeah. They yep. were they were called gay. They were said to vote for Al Gore. They were ridiculous. Look at those girly cars. Like, it was, mm-hmm. it was again, 
everyone made fun of the liberals for being like feely and hippy dippy and wishy washy and like just having a lot of feelings all the time like that was somehow bad they also like i think that like caring too much wishy washy comes it gets to the the point of like facts are complicated the world requires nuance you have to Mm -hmm. like approach people individually and like situations individually and you can't have like like they saw this as a threat on um an attack on absolute truth and so this absolute truth like whatever the bible teaches is like for sure the way it is so you like moral relativism is a threat because it challenges what the bible is teaching and it challenges biblical inerrancy and therefore like having to approach people individually rather than like from like with broad top-down systems and caricatures and one-size-fits-all approaches they would feel like if you were doing any of that sensitive stuff then Mm -hmm. you doubted god you doubted god's truth and you were willing to question everything um and so your faith was suspect right and and being willing to question and questioning things is something that is seen as a threat instead of something that is like supposed to be celebrated Mm -hmm. so most people are like oh yeah you're like questioning things and finding things out and looking for answers and that's good but here it's not like that's 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 a bad, scary, unholy thing. You shouldn't be asking questions. You should be living by faith alone. Yeah. So, um, climate change is real. We're all gonna die. But yep. before we die, um, we should participate in some late stage capitalism and donate to um a local charity that is doing work to um counteract the effects of toxic homeschooling and abusive parents. Yes. Uh, it's the end of the year, and so uh, the Coalition for Responsible Home Education is having our fundraiser. You should donate. Uh, it's responsiblehomeschooling.org slash donate. We do a lot of really good work. Yeah, there's not a lot of data out there about um, homeschoolers, and there's um, a huge um, anti-regulation homeschool lobby, and most of the work that we do is centered around trying to understand what data we do have, access more data, um, interpret it correctly, and um, present that information to policymakers at the local level who may not have any knowledge of what is going on um, in the homeschool world outside of what they hear when HSLDA like, launches an email campaign and angry homeschool moms call about their religious liberties being threatened so um the work we do is like really unusual no one else is doing it and um we're all homeschool alums and so we have really really strong experiential perspectives that we bring um to support our policy recommendations and um we're working to try to be able to like pay some of our people for the work that they do. But right now everybody's just volunteering. Um, So anything that you can give to help us would be great. And uh, CRHE is a 501c3, so you can write it off on your taxes. Yay. Um, 
and and support a small volunteer-run nonprofit that is doing a huge amount of emotional labor trying to make homeschooling better. Yeah. 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 All right. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Um, For now, I haven't changed it yet, but I, I probably will at some point. My Twitter handle is H.A. Ettinger. And mine is MX Darkwater. And you can join our Patreon. And um, we're going to be doing another After Dark session soon. So sign up. Um, throw some dollars our way. And you'll get to hang out with us live while we either record an episode or get intoxicated somehow. Or both. Or both. Possibly both. <laughs> Hopefully both. All right. <laughs> um, hope everybody had a restful holiday. And uh, family wasn't too traumatic. If it was, send us your questions. Tell us all about it. Um, give us some ideas for episode topics. And um, join us next time. Bye. Bye.